it starts with a toast. Man steps up into the dinner party, and he says, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. That's a fine vintage of lemonade, by the way. And you can have some in the patio right afterwards. But he makes this toast. Actually, it's not the very beginning of the story that starts there, is it? So the beginning of the story starts at the very beginning of Luke 14, where Jesus gets invited to dinner, which is always great, right? It's wonderful to be invited to dinner at other people's homes. And this man actually is a fairly influential, wealthy man. He's got a nice home, I'm imagining, and he's got a large group of very influential people. The Bible says it's the Pharisees, that's the upper crust of those who are religious, and the lawyers. So imagine what that crowd must have looked like. And Jesus walks into the dinner party, and as he does, he notices he's being set up because they have a person. It's on the Sabbath, and there's a man who is sick. He's got internal disease, and he's in need. And Jesus looks, and he notices what's going on right away. And he asks the crowd there at the dinner party, is it lawful to heal a man on the Sabbath? Is it okay to do the right thing on the day that we worship the Lord? Now, the Pharisees had a system of laws that kept them from doing all kinds of things on the Sabbath. It's not biblical law, but it's their traditions. And so Jesus asked the question, knowing why the man was there, knowing that they're trying to trap him of doing a work on the Sabbath. So the man is there, and Jesus looks at the man, and in his heart, because we know the character, those of you who have read in the New Testament, you know the character of Jesus, is to have compassion on those that are hurt and wounded and on the margins. And he sees the man, and he asks that question, And then he reaches out his hand. Now, this man, for those people who were gathered, would have been thought of as unclean. You don't want to contaminate yourself by actually, you know, making contact with that kind of person. And you know what he does? Jesus asks the man to reach out his hand. And he touches him. Not that you're unclean or anything, right? And, um, And he heals the man. And when he heals the man, he knows what's going inside of the heart and the minds of these Religious leaders and these lawyers, they've got him. They think they've got him. And then Jesus kind of flips the script, and he asks the question. If you had a son, and he fell into a well on a Sabbath, what would you do? Or maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you've got some prized possession, and it falls into the well. What would you do? What would you do, Olivia, if you lost something like that? Right? He's asking the question, that all of the adults in the room knew the answer to. If it was my son and he fell, you bet I would go into that well. You bet I would help out. And that's the heart of what Jesus was teaching them, right? So in the dinner party, it starts to get a little uncomfortable because they invited Jesus. They thought they were going to trick him and all. they're all in on it, you know, all in on the story. And then Jesus starts prodding them, making them feel uncomfortable. And then it gets even more tense, Because Jesus has noticed what's happened at the dinner table. And it's this, that like the the host sat at the end of the table, like the honored seat, and then everybody else tried to get next to him, like to feel more important. And Jesus notices what's going on. He said, actually, what you should have done is got to the end of the table 
and waited to be invited next to a place of honor. But actually, you ought to be thinking about putting other people in front of you because that's not your attitude. Your heart's wrong. Something's going on. And, and as Jesus starts prodding these people, they get more and more uncomfortable. And then he starts talking about what the text and what the story he's going to talk about. He starts talking about an invitation. An invitation to the best place you can ever imagine going. Where would that be right now? Think about it. Tell someone next to you. The best place you could ever imagine going. Where would it be? Ooh, that's such a great answer, right? Heaven, that's the greatest place. Now, here's what I need you to do as we think about what Jesus is going to do next. I want you in groups, like, so turn around. That's going to be interactive portion of the message. And, ask the, and answer the question, what's heaven like? Or what is the kingdom of heaven like? Okay, so go ahead. Answer, like, talk amongst yourselves. Make sure you include people around you, okay? What's heaven going to be like? Okay, now, I bet we've got some great answers. And um, every time I enter into conversation with people about what's heaven going to be like, I get all kinds of different opinions. Some people just like to make it up themselves, like what they think it could be great, and they start giving this description that has nothing to do with actual truth. It's just they're kind of their own imaginations running wild. Um, For those people at the dinner party that Jesus was talking about, too, They didn't have a ton of information because, I don't know if you knew this, but the Old Testament doesn't have a whole lot of information about heaven, what it's going to look like. But it does have a couple texts that get at it and give really an interesting word picture, a description of what it's like. And one of them is found in Isaiah chapter 25. If you have your Bible, turn it over to Isaiah chapter 5, or 25, excuse me, and start in verse 6. So if your Bible, whether it's in a phone or an iPad or one of the ones around you, Isaiah chapter 25. And here's one of the word pictures we find. It's one of the dominant word pictures, actually, of it, of heaven in the Old Testament. Where Isaiah says, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, and Aged wine, well refined, and he will swallow up. Well, let me stop there. What does he say? How many, who's going to be there? Don't have to answer that question, but just look at the text. And then what's it going to be like? It's going to be like a banquet, like a rich banquet where all kinds of great food food is spread out. And then it says in verse 7, he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people. That's kind of interesting. What's a covering do you think he's talking about? The veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. So part of God's eternal plan is to have this great feast, a great party. And he's going to swallow up, defeat death forever. That's always been part of his plan. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord of hosts will wipe away tears from all faces. That kind of reminds us of 
words we find in the book of Revelation at the end of the New Testament. And the reproach of all his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So what's heaven going to be like? According to the Old Testament and the image that these guys had at that dinner party that night, heaven's like a banquet or a party. It's full of joy and relationship and satisfaction. It's full of joy. He wipes every tear away. There's no sorrow in heaven because we're now in the presence of God. There's no crying in heaven. And also, it's full of relationship because I'm in the presence of God now and I can have actual face-to-face conversation with the Lord of hosts. I can know him like I've never known him before. And it's full of satisfaction. I'm going to be fully satisfied. I'm not going to go around heaven and think, oh man, I wish I just had whatever fell in the blank. No, that's not the picture of heaven that we get in the Bible. It's like this banquet. And so Jesus is going to use that imagery they have in their mind of heaven to tell a story to these guys. Now, the man makes the toast. As everyone's getting uncomfortable around the dinner table, he makes this toast and he says, Blessed is the, blessed is the man. Notice he doesn't include half our crowd here today. Women. He's kind of a misogynist. That's part of their culture, right? These guys are all thinking, we're in. Don't know about the women, but we're in. And they're all thinking also, we're the in crowd. Other people are on the outside. Specifically, they have in their mind anybody that's not religious like us. Anybody that doesn't look like us or dress like us or behave like us. They're on the outside, but we're on the inside. We're the special crowd. And that's what the man's toast was communicating. Wow, we are so lucky. We are so privileged. And you're not. We're, we're so blessed to be able to know that we're the ones that are going to be eating around the feast at the table in heaven. So that gets us thinking. Who gets into the party? Who gets into the party in heaven? I want you to turn around and answer the question. Who gets in to the party? gets into the party? Now, if you would ask a random series, a random group of people, that question, people would have a lot of different opinions about it, right? Who gets into the party? Who gets to heaven? Some people would have a very small group. Others people, your group might be, everybody gets in. There was a little boy, the first service, who said, everybody. Well, the story that Jesus is telling here is that everybody gets invited. Everybody gets invited there. 
but not everybody goes there. Okay? So let's look at the story a little bit more. The party is made up of some surprising people. Jesus is going to help this group of people, men, understand that God loves more people than they did. That God's love goes farther, much beyond that we, what we can imagine. And to every tribe and nation and people and tongue of people, every socioeconomic group, every kind of person you can imagine will be invited because God loves them. In fact, earlier in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 13, Jesus said that people from all corners of the earth would dine with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. People are invited in. In the book of Hosea, in chapter 2, it says, I will say to those called not my people, you're my people. See, that's always been the plan of God, to invite people in because he loves the world. For God so loved the world. 2 Peter 3.9 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but everyone should come to repentance. That is, I'm walking my own way. I've got my own thing I'm doing. I get an invitation from God, a loving invitation to be part of his kingdom, to turn toward him, seek God's forgiveness, and accept the invitation. And if I do that, then I get to go to the party. And if I don't, then I'm left out. So Jesus is going to tell that truth through this really great story. Let me ask the question before we jump into the story. How do you get into the banquet? Okay, turn around. Tell somebody if you know. And if you know a verse from the Bible that will help tell your story to them, do that. Use that verse, okay? Who gets into the banquet and how do you know they get in the banquet? Don't just make it up. You could have used Romans 10.13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be rescued, will be part of God's party. Or you could have used Romans chapter 3, which describes this in such great detail. But now it says in verse 21, Romans 3, the righteousness of God has been made manifest or made known to us apart from the law. It's not about doing your list of things. But a different way is into the party. Although the law and the prophets, that is the Old Testament, bear witness to it. They show it. They point that direction. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. It's by placing my faith in what Christ has done. But what has he done? This morning, we're going to celebrate communion. And communion is us making a statement that we're remembering what Jesus has done. The bread that we pass out, it's a reminder of his broken body. That is, in the loving invitation of God, he sent his son so that you might know that he loves you. And his son went to the extreme of giving himself, dying for you, so that you might know life, so that you might be here at the party. And it also has the cup that we'll take together That cup is a symbol of the new covenant or New Testament, new agreement between us. That by the shedding of God's own blood on the cross, Jesus' own blood that he gave for us, his giving his life. And because of the power of that, what it does for us, covering all of our sin and forgiving, giving us forgiveness. If we say yes to the invitation by faith, trusting him and not our own stuff, then we can be here. We're going to celebrate communion. If you 
are a believer, I want to encourage you, if you've already accepted the invitation, I want to encourage you just to take some reflection time. We're going to sing a worship song together, and we're going to reflect just on the Lord's goodness and what he's done to invite us to the table. And if you have yet to accept the invitation of God, you can do that even now as we, as we turn our hearts toward God and just call out to him and say, Lord, I want to accept your invitation. I want to be your child. I want to know that I am here at the table. I've been accepting the invitation now. I need your forgiveness. I want to trust in you. This is a reminder for us of God's great gift to us, his invitation, and the way that he expresses our love for for us. And we step into this remembering that this is why we can be at the table, because he has died for us, and we just simply accept that invitation. So let me ask a question, another question. Why don't some people go to the banquet? Why do they choose not to go to heaven? Would you take a second and answer that question around you? Why do some people say no? If the banquet is so great, if what God has for us is so amazing, why do some people say no? So Jesus, he tells the story of this banquet. And there's a master. Who's the master? It's God himself in the story. The master invites And there's a group of people that choose not to come. And why do they choose not to come? They have all kinds of lame excuses, don't they? And we're all filled with lame excuses. Why would someone choose not to experience what God has in store for us? Well, maybe they don't understand how fantastic it is. Maybe they don't realize that. Or maybe they have come into a mistaken impression that they have to do a bunch of stuff to earn their way to the table. But in the story, there's a list of excuses that people give, right, in the invitation. It's a story the first person is about their own success. They're about doing their own thing, and they're walking away. They, They ignore the invitation because they've got more important things for them to achieve. The next person has got more important stuff They're collecting all this stuff, and their stuff is more important than this. And the third person, well, they just got married. Their wife's a lot more important. Now, I'm here to tell you, wives, you are seriously important, right? (laughs) I'm not going to get myself in trouble here. You are really, really important. So don't go home saying, yeah, pastor said you're not that important, so whatever. right, don't do that. But the story is pointing out that we've got a list of excuses that we can make up of things that are more important to us than God and this, the banquet. And so Jesus is going to get at their issues by telling this story of the banquet with these people with excuses and what happens then. Jesus doesn't force them into the kingdom, doesn't force them to come to the party. He goes out farther and he starts bringing in people. For these guys that were there at the dinner party, they're people that they didn't associate with because they didn't measure up to their religious list, or they weren't like them. A lot of them were struggling, and they were disaffected. They were at the margins of society. And in the story, Jesus said that the master goes out and invites, has all those people invited, that everyone's invited. And not only that, there's still room at the kingdom, at the table, 
for more. And the story that Jesus is telling is saying, it's not just you. It's not just Israel. It's all people, every tribe, every language, every nation, every person, wherever they might be, God is inviting to the table. It's a great story, right? Everyone is invited, but not everyone goes. Why don't people make this their highest priority? You would think they would. I have some friends here with me today. Now, like any great story, um, it has a punchline. And the story that Jesus tells here of the great banquet does have a punchline. Um, First, let me rehearse that all are invited. Every one of us here are invited to the table. And heaven is far greater than we imagine. It's far better. The feast, the banquet that's described in Scripture is far better than you think of it, even right now. And everyone can be there if they accept the invitation. But the punchline at the end, when Jesus is telling it, as he's gathered around this dinner table with people that are growing uncomfortable with what he's saying and the story he's telling is this, that if you don't accept the invitation, you don't go. It says it right there at the very end of the teaching, verse 24, for I tell you, none of those men, the men who had all these excuses that were invited but did not choose to accept the invitation, shall taste my banquet. What Jesus is saying is, God's throwing a party with or without you. He's, he's throwing a party, an eternal party in his presence that's far greater than you imagine, and you have an opportunity to say yes to the invitation or no. But if you say no, if you choose no, you'll not be part. And I just want to encourage you, accept the invitation. Don't let a lame excuse of stuff or people or timing or whatever, don't let that keep you from saying yes to God and turning to him. And let me encourage you, if you have already said yes in the past, to make this, make the Lord Jesus and his kingdom your highest priority. Make going there to the banquet your highest priority. Don't don't let other excuses seep in and get you off track this week. Oh, I've just got other things that are higher priority, my work or my family or whatever. Those are all important things. But don't let them be your highest priority. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be your very highest priority. And you have this great opportunity because you're loved by God and invited to the table to experience the richness of his kingdom. Let me pray for you if I might, please. Father, thank you for this amazingly great invitation you give us. Thank you for those that we got to celebrate, rejoice in. Um, this reminds me of those stories we, we thought of earlier, the lost coin and the lost sheep, how all of heaven is rejoicing and So I thank you, Father, we could participate in that. And I pray, Lord, for my friends here, Lord, that they would say yes to the invitation to place their faith in you, their confidence in you, and that they would make this you, Lord, and the table, the kingdom of of heaven, the very highest priority in their lives. Christ's name, all God's people said, amen.
Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.